Hello, and welcome to Morning Manna. My name is Ron, and today we are going through the book of James. James is an interesting book because he gets up in your grill about some things. He deals with some stuff that's, that's good for us. And of course, we know um, that it's God's word ultimately working in us, and it's good, it's needful. And so before we get into it now, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of James, and we thank you because it's your word to us. And so, Father, speak clearly to us and, and just have your way in us. In your name we pray. Amen. So, starting out there in James 1.1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. So just to start out there in, in verse 1, James identifies himself as a servant. And that word servant, it means, uh, the Greek word for that is doulos, and it also means a bondservant or a slave. So James, he is the younger half-brother of Jesus, but he doesn't identify himself that way here. He's saying, I'm a a fellow bondservant, just like the rest of you guys. And I think that's good for us to um, for us to remember that title. The other apostles use it too. And I think it's it's a blessing to us to remember that we are, yes, sons and daughters, but we are also bondservants, slaves of Christ. We're yoked up to a great and loving Lord, and we need him. We're not the captains of our own ship, and we don't want to be. So that's a good reminder for us today. Good title. And then he's addressing this to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So this is talking about Christian Jews who he's writing this to. But again, as we know, that this word is ultimately God's word to us. And so let's just get right into it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So James does a little departure here, because normally the other apostles, they start out, um, well, the apostle Paul likes to start out by saying grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he, he wants to give us that admonishment. Or sometimes he'll even start talking about our position in Christ, our foundation in him. But James just cuts right to the chase. He starts right in, and he kind of starts out with a real shocker. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's a hard thing to hear sometimes, um, and oftentimes. And I don't know about you, but when I'm meeting trials, to count it as joy is a, can be a difficult thing. And that word count um, means to uh, let it preside, to esteem it, to consider it. And um, it's interesting in the banking world, in the financial world, um, when you're having a, a, a financial statement, you list your assets on one side, 
your liabilities on the other side and your assets minus your liabilities, that's where you get your net worth. And that's what bankers and accountants look at to, to understand your financial picture, your, your financial health. And spiritually speaking for us, there is a spiritual thing going on for us. And I can just tell you, and I just have to confess to you, a lot of times when I'm going through a trial, I would put the trial in the liability side, financially speaking, in my life. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Spiritually speaking, that trial we're going through is an asset because it's working in us. It's testing our faith. And then that faith is producing steadfastness. And that steadfastness, when it's working, and it says let steadfastness have its full effect, it'll just do that normally. Um, another word for steadfastness is perseverance. It's good for us to persevere. It's good for us to be tested because there's a work being done in us. And it, it's hard sometimes, um, and, and it, it talks about it in other passages, but trials are good for us. In 1 Peter 4, 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So here Peter says, don't be surprised by this fiery trial. And it, it seems harsh at times, but it's good for us. And then also in Hebrews um, 12, 11, it says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So there we're seeing that it's, it's yielding something for us that's good. It's, it's producing fruit in our lives, and it's needed. But it's, it can be hard sometimes to, to let that happen. Um, and then in this final part, it says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, it's easy for us, we might say, Well, Lord, I don't need to be complete necessarily this side of eternity. I think I'm probably all right. But he's saying, no, I, I don't want you to be lacking. I want you to be full. So it's a good, good thing for us to receive. Moving down to James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I don't know about you, but in general, I would say that, yeah, in general, when I'm saying, when I'm thinking about people that lack wisdom, I totally get it. I, I could totally see how I'm there. But it's funny how sometimes I'll launch into my day or I'll launch into a meeting that I'm, I might be a little bit apprehensive about or feeling like I don't have a lot of wisdom to bring to the table, and I fail to ask the Lord for wisdom. And here he's saying, let him ask. It's good for us to ask the Lord for wisdom. I'm not really a do-it-yourselfer at the house, but I try to be. And sometimes I'll install something but it's amazing to me, even though I, I don't really 
know necessarily how to do it, I'll think, well, I've done something like it before, so I'll go ahead and bust into this thing. And um, I'll get the instructions, and I won't really look at them very well, and I'll look at the diagram and start into it, and then there's this fine print, especially stuff in bold, says, do not do this, and then I find out, oh, I, I made a mistake. I, I got into something that I shouldn't have done. I should have read the instructions. And so, too, it's good for us um, to ask the wisdom, to read the instructions, and to get into God's Word and receive it, and ask the Lord for wisdom. And here we're admonished, when you ask, don't doubt. He's going to provide it. Um, oh, and then in verse 1, 8, it says, um, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all, all his ways. And it makes us unstable. It's not good for us. Verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall, and the beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So here this, this thing is telling us, or this passage in this section is telling us, that the rich, they're actually in a humiliated situation or a humble situation, and the poor are in an exalted situation because ultimately... You know, we can think we're in one position or the other right now, but this is all temporal. We're fading like the flowers of the field. We're perishing, folks. It's good for us to remember that whether we're in a rich position or a poor position, financially speaking, ultimately, we are very wealthy indeed. And so just want to encourage you with that word today and just hope you have a blessed week. Thank you. Thank you.